0: One, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Uh, Tower
1: cleared. We got a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting their roll and pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading.
2: For today's podcast, it's my honor to welcome former astronaut and International Space Station Commander Colonel Terry Wirtz along with three seasoned cinematographers. They are joining us today for a remote podcast from the Kennedy Space Center at Cape Canaveral in Florida. We're on July 9th at 9.32 Eastern Time, the same time and day that Apollo 11 took off 50 years ago. Verts and his crew will depart in a Gulfstream G-650ER, an extended range version of Gulfstream's G-650 jet in an attempt to break the the round-the-world speed record for an aircraft flying over the North and South Poles. In doing so, they also hope to mark the start of the historic Apollo 11 mission to the moon. There's more to this story. Colonel Wirtz was one of a number of astronauts that over the years has been trained by Hollywood cinematographers in order to lens images from the International Space Station that have been used in various ways, including for archival purposes, and for IMAX documentaries such as Blue Planet. Now, Vertz is making his directorial debut with a documentary about this week's world record attempt. That's where Hollywood cinematography community got involved. James Nyehouse is the cinematographer that trained Vertz and numerous other astronauts to help them bring back images from space, and he will serve as director of photography for this documentary. He, along with cinematographers Richard Crudo and Yannicka Mickelson, are among the cinematographers positioned around the world to help capture footage for the documentary, to tell us about this effort and NASA's history with Hollywood cinematography community. Today, we're joined by Colonel Terry Wirtz, James Nighouse, Richard Crudo, and Janika Mickelson. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to the Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen.
3: Okay, engine stop. Yeah. Flipping, uh... Tranquility Base here. The Eagle
1: has landed. Rocket Twink. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.
2: Welcome, and thank you for joining us.
0: It's good to be here.
2: Terry, we're going to start with you. The current world record is 52 hours and 32 minutes, and your target is 49 hours and 36 minutes. How do you intend to meet that goal?
0: Well, we're going to try and fly fast. The real challenge, I think, is going to be the ground stops. The flight time is going to be fairly fixed. That depends on winds, and if there's some weather we have to fly around, that could slow us down, or if air traffic control. But the big question mark for us really is going to be on the ground. So it's going to be kind of like a Formula One or NASCAR pit stop where we have to get gas, we have to get the airplane serviced, and we have to get the door closed and the flight plan done and taken off again. And we have to do that three times because we're stopping... Uh, in Kazakhstan, Mauritius, and Chile. So I think the record is really gonna hinge on how fast we do those ground stops. The navigation's very simple. You take off and fly north, and when the compass spins around over the North Pole, you fly south, and then we're gonna head down to the South Pole and then turn around north again. So uh, that's gonna take us about two days.
2: And could you tell us a little bit about the jet and any other details?
0: Yes, so we're flying in a Gulfstream G650ER, And that's really what's going to make this record possible. It has a really fast speed. It goes at Mach 0.925, which is 92% of the speed of sound, which is really fast. It's basically the fastest jet in that size category in the world. And not only can it go fast, but it has very long legs. It can fly a long distance. So that combination of being able to fly a long distance, which means you don't have to stop for gas as often, plus you're flying fast, makes the G650 the plane we think we can beat it in.
2: And now, additionally, when you take off tomorrow, you are also using the start time to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11.
0: We are. the Kind of the brain of this whole project, a, a gentleman named Hamish Harding came up with this idea five years ago to, in honor of space exploration. And we're coming up on the Apollo 50th is the reason that we're doing this. And our takeoff time is going to be at 9.32 a.m. Eastern, which was the same time that the Saturn V lifted off when Buzz and Neil and Mike went to the moon almost 50 years ago.
2: For you personally, how did Apollo 11 influence your decision to become an astronaut?
0: It was the reason I became an astronaut. Actually, the very first book I read in kindergarten was about Apollo. It was one of those cardboard reader books with one line per page. I can still remember what it looks like. And I remember seeing these astronauts and thinking, man, they went to the moon, that's so amazing. And as a boy growing up, I had posters of airplanes and rockets and and galaxies and you know a space shuttle poster. So it just kind of sparked my imagination and it stayed with me my whole life.
2: What did it feel like when you made it to space?
0: <laughs> awesome. It's really impossible to describe. The, the feeling of weightlessness, you can experience it on Earth for a second or two, But when it happens and it doesn't stop and it doesn't stop and it doesn't my last flight was 200 days So for 200 days you're weightless. just being able to move around is Alien that's not something that happens on earth and it takes some time to get used to and then the the Visuals just looking out and seeing the earth. I thought I knew what I was getting into I'd seen IMAX movies since I was a kid and I thought it was going to be normal and then that first time Seeing the planet is just really powerful. You have to really make an effort to focus because it's so beautiful
2: Now, when you were on the International Space Station, you also lensed material that was used for the IMAX documentary, Beautiful Planet. And James Nyhouse, who's your director of photography on the documentary you're making about this particular project trained you. Would you tell us a little bit about the experience of training and then maybe James, you could jump in and tell us a little bit about your experiences. you've worked with a number of astronauts.
0: Sure, I'll I'll start it off and then I'll hand it over. So being on the IMAX documentary was my favorite thing that I did in space. I also think it was the most important because so many people will see it and be impacted by it. And I'm a camera guy by nature, you know, my kids are like, Dad, quit taking pictures. so, for me, it was just the absolute perfect thing. It was so much to learn. There's so much more than just knowing how to take a picture. There's a lot of art behind the science, and uh, I'll let I'll let James jump in here for that process. Yeah,
1: you know, well, training astronauts is, is a fun job because you get people like Terry who are already into uh, photography and want to really put their 110% into the effort, and dealing with folks like that all the time has just all, really made my job very easy. Terry, I, I think, shot most of a beautiful planet on his, on his days off because they're very busy in space on the, on the space station and they don't have time for making movies. And uh, I think every day off, Terry had, he was sticking a camera out the window for, a, for an IMAX shot. So uh, that was a lot of fun working with him, and I'm really excited to be able to do this trip with them on one more orbit.
2: Okay. Now, so for this project, Terry, this is your directorial debut. Was it the IMAX project that inspired you to do this?
1: It was. It was,
0: that was really my debut into any kind of serious filmmaking and and little details like how important sound is or focus. You know, if you're out of focus by a little bit, the whole shot's ruined or... If you're moving the cameras, if you're panning it slowly, you're moving it too fast, because on the IMAX screen, everybody will get sick if it's moving too fast. So there was all kinds of little details that I learned that it kind of inspired me that this is what I want to do in life. I mean, it's it's really fun. Telling stories is how you impact people, and uh, that movie really inspired me for that.
2: So James, tell us about the cinematography during this mission, so where will you be? And as I understand it, you'll have someone on board. You'll have crews at the different pit stops. Tell us about the logistics.
1: Yeah, the logistics of this has been really f- interesting to do, especially in the short time period that we've we've had to do it. Uh, the 1st of June, I didn't have this project even on my radar. And then right now, we're about to take off tomorrow to go around the world. And because of that, we've had a uh, had you know had to put people into Kazakhstan into Mauritius into Chile to be our on the ground crew we've got uh, four or five uh, camera crews here at the the Kennedy Space Center who will be covering the the takeoff and landing we've got a crew on board the airplane which consists of of Terry and directing and shooting and Yanica Miklinson, I always say her name wrong, and she's looking at me very strangely, uh, is going to be shooting and in charge of the uh, live stream, which is a big deal on this fight. And I just found out right before we started this uh, conversation that I will be flying at least as far as Mauritius on the flight. So uh, I just got a big, I don't know, is it was a promotion or a demotion? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Janneke, will you tell us about your role and responsibilities?
4: My responsibility is the connectivity to the satellites around the globe. So it's not as straightforward as it sounds. It's not like connecting to the internet and you're always connected because satellites cannot orbit over the North Pole and the South Pole. We are live streaming this mission for a 48 hour live stream. There are areas on the globe where we want to have connectivity and my job is to make sure that when we do have connectivity that it is the best possible. In addition to also filming the documentary as a cinematographer. So there are two productions happening. One is a documentary and the other is a live streaming. We are using same cameras for documentary filming and live streaming. To achieve live streaming, this has never been done before by connecting two satellites. We have four dedicated satellites to us uh, orbiting the planet. And they last week we started dialing them into our flight path. We are getting extra satellites also beamed in to cover locations for Chile, Peru and other areas <laughs> we will not have satellite coverage over the north pole and the south pole and we will focus on the documentary maybe potentially also sleep technical requirements is beaming the signal from the aircraft to the satellites from the satellites to a grand receiver from the grand receiver to a cell tower this will be from a 4k uh, production for the documentary down to a 1080 signal for the ground. Now, once that signal hits the ground, it becomes a cell tower signal and it will stream like a regular social media live stream.
2: And Richard Crudo, who's also joining us, um, Richard, you're going to be at Kennedy Space Center for the takeoff, correct?
3: Yes, I am. I am uh, tasked with covering the launch and the arrival from the tower which should be uh, an interesting place to be for that moment. And the entire effort, I'm just honored to be here. I thank my good buddy James Nyhouse sitting next to me for bringing me in. As seems everyone, I am just as a kid and right through adulthood have been obsessed with the space program. I was 12 years old when they landed on the moon and as we all do remember exactly where I was at that moment. So this has some emotional resonance as well. And it's great to go back to uh, a little bit of documentary style shooting which is how I pretty much started my career as a cinematographer. And um, I'm just very, very pleased to make a contribution to this project.
2: Now, Richard, you're a past president of the American Society of Cinematographers, which is celebrating its centennial this year. But there's really quite a bit of history between Hollywood cinematographers working with NASA and the space program in general. Would you elaborate on that?
3: Well, going all the way back, To the beginning of the space program, Uh, many of our cinematographers were involved in documenting what was happening. A lot of the, um, I guess, telemetry and things like that, the um, cameras out on the rocket ranges going early on, a lot of those things were calibrated and set up by our members. And then we have a number of astronauts who have become honorary members of the ASC just by virtue of having taken photographs and movies on a place not the earth. The first people being Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong and Michael Collins, of course, and uh, a couple of other shuttle astronauts after that. So there's always been some hand of the ASC and a little bit of documenting this great piece of our history.
2: And what cameras are you using? What is involved from the documentary standpoint?
1: For the documentary, we're shooting with a very small Sony RX0 Mark IIs that are Basically placed throughout the airplane, recording in 4K mode and then being shuttled off to uh, jonica 's live stream center down res to 1080. And that's been a kind of a challenge to getting those things working for both of the uh, productions, and then we have the Sony A7s we're shooting with on board, all in 4k, all this as much in 4k as we can. all the ground crews are shooting 4k. you know One of the things is trying to put all this material into an edit at some point and uh, just having all everything sync up as close as we can. So we decided to run every time code piece that has the ability to keep time in uh, universal standard time so that basically all of our cameras are set to GMT so we can sync everything up later and the the editor will be totally bonkers at that point. But we're trying to help them out as much as we can. And then it's just a matter, I mean, we're going to be filming for 48 hours straight potentially, just hundreds of media cards of all different sizes, keeping track of all that's a a full-time job and batteries, charging batteries, keeping things going. We're running off ship power where we can, but a lot of times uh, we can't do that, so we're going to have to have battery charging going on continually. It's really not unlike what we've done for the space flights in the past. We train the crew, we help them out, and then we make sure they have all the support and the equipment and the things they need, try to solve problems before they happen in order to, to uh, not be surprised on orbit. So that's exactly how I approached this to begin with, was just as if it were a shuttle flight.
0: For me, the vibe of what we're filming is exactly like filming Beautiful Planet. We've got battery bags that are charged and that are uncharged. We've got SD cards that are full, SD cards that are empty. We have our shot list. We have filming the crew inside the vehicle. We have filming the Earth outside the window. Uh, All the same stuff we had to go through filming a movie in space we're going through for this. So it's it's, for me personally, it's really striking how similar it is.
2: With the cinematographers and crew in all the different locations, how large is the crew in total?
1: Oh, my, that's a good question. We probably have... 35 or 40 if not more so we've got bill bennett asc down in uh arenas we've got nick sadler in mauritius and dan green in kazakhstan and they each have two or three people with them Uh, and we've got what's basically a small feature unit going on here in at the kennedy space center and because i've just now been been roped into flying with them i'm having to replace myself so it's going to grow by one more at least
2: (laughs) Now, the the documentary is going to be released by Untitled Pictures. Is there a timetable, and where will viewers eventually be able to see it?
0: So that's a question that we're working on. We have a editing team ready to go, and when we get back, we're going to put the edit together. Hopefully, we're going to have a trailer on July 20th at the Legends of Aviation Ball in Europe, and then it will be you know off to the different networks to, to pitch the documentary. So we don't know an exact date or detail yet on that. But it's at the at the forefront of our mind is flying this flight and getting it filmed. And then on July 12th we're going to start working on the edit. So hopefully soon.
2: And Terry, I know that you also have some additional projects in the work. I think you're even developing a TV series. Would you tell us a little bit about some of your other initiatives?
0: Yes, it's been a busy few months for sure. The The TV show idea, is, or one of the TV show ideas, has been in work here for a few months. Basically, I had a chance to see the world from space when I was there, and I'd like to go visit the places that I saw and, and find out how the Earth affects people. You know, people live in volcanic regions or in ice-covered regions or in tropical regions, and, and everybody kind of has this different environment that they live in but at the end of the day we're all people so i would like to do that kind of an anthony bourdain with a space angle is one of the one of the projects i've going on i have another book that i'm writing that manuscripts due at the end of august so august is going to be a busy month for me for that (laughs) we're doing an apollo 11 flight plan a limited edition reproduction of the flight plan that's um it's just pretty amazing it's awesome but that's also in the work and so it's been it's a busy july and august for sure
2: and Again, with the significance of the Apollo 11 anniversary, with this effort and all you're doing, what would you like the public to know about NASA and the space program?
0: Well, a lot of times people think that the space program is somehow shut down or really shrunken, and and that's not true at all. NASA is very involved in flying the space station on a day-to-day basis. They're also very involved with future plans. They're hoping to go back to the moon in the coming years and uh, there's there's several new rockets in development. I think the big change nowadays is the private space industry has grown a lot, and companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin are really doing innovative and exciting things, and so there's a lot more public-private partnership than there was in the past. In the past, it was all government, and I like to say that we're at the end of the beginning of the space program, and that, and that's a really good thing. You know, the beginning was government and Apollo and Space Shuttle and Space Station, and I think we're at the end of that era moving into one where it's more a private industry. So I think it's exciting now. There's lots of amazing robotic plans. In fact, NASA just launched... <laughs> or they're going to launch a rocket to Titan, which is one of Saturn's moons. And they're going to fly a helicopter around Titan, which is just awesome. I can't wait for that. So there's lots of really cool robotic things going on. It's not just the human stuff.
2: And now for your world record attempt, you're getting ready to leave tomorrow morning. What is involved today? What are some of the last minute preparations that all of you will be making
0: right well today has been busy a lot of it we just flew down from savannah and we did a test so janica was testing out the satellite connectivity trying to make sure we have the live stream as optimum as possible we just went through our briefing with the f-104 squadron here there's a f-104 chase airplane that's gonna fly on on final when we land with us and hopefully film it and we've got a crew briefing we've got to do we've got to go through our gear you know, we all came here with luggage on United Airlines, and now we've got to pare that down to really minimum stuff. And I have yet another thing that we've done today. I'll let Janneke tell you about that.
4: So it was kind of fun. During our testing today, we actually broke an official world record by streaming via satellite. I don't believe anybody in the world has actually streamed for the length that we have from the altitude that we did. So it's going to be quite interesting to do the orbital flight when you want to get really tacky. So everything we do from here on and out is going to be a world record.
2: Fantastic. How many people are actually going to be on the flight tomorrow, Terry?
0: So tomorrow we'll be taking off with nine. One of the really cool aspects of this, I can't wait when we get to our first stop in Kazakhstan. My former crewmate, Gennady Padalka, Russian cosmonaut, is going to join us. So he's going to get on the airplane. We'll be 10. And then we're going to fly down to Mauritius, and he's going to get off in Mauritius. Unfortunately, that leg from Mauritius to Chile goes over the South Pole. It's a really, really long leg, and there are no divert airfields. I mean, if you know, you can't land in Antarctica in, in the wintertime, it's wintertime down there now. So Gennady has to get off for fuel purposes, but that'll be fun to add him. So we're nine people, and then that one leg we have 10. And uh, I'm sure we're going to reminisce about our time on the space station, and it's kind of one more orbit for him, also. I first launched out of Florida, which is where we are, and then his first launch and my last launch was out of Kazakhstan, which is where we're picking him up.
2: And your crew is also very international, correct?
0: It's 100% international. There's oh, actually, now that we have James, there's two Americans. Other than that, it was nine. It was nine different nationalities, and uh, so now it's n- 10 people and nine nationalities. So and that's that's a big that's one of our messages and we're going to talk about that in the documentary you know space exploration is a very international thing and this crew is very international those are just the people on the airplane the ground crews around the world are really international and qatar executive is they own the airplane and really we were able to even attempt this because of them they have an amazing global presence it's an extremely international airline the the pilots they're sending to each of these locations to make sure things happen right are all also from different countries in Europe and mostly Europe. I think there's some South Americans and Africans, and they're from kind of all over the world. So it's a very international operation.
2: As we move forward, do you see Hollywood and the space exploration community continuing to work together, actually even closer?
0: I I hope so. You know, I loved Apollo 13 because it was real people. You know, CG is great, but I think filming actual humans is even better. And if you want to film a space movie, there's no better location to film it than in space. And uh, as that becomes more possible, I think that's going to happen. So hopefully so.
2: And it is becoming more possible with technology.
0: It is. And, you know, SpaceX, uh, but especially Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic are going to be launching space tourists. Now, these are going to be short, you know, only five minutes in space flights but they're going to be launching them maybe this year, if not next year. Other companies like Bigelow have private space stations. So if a, if a production company wanted to get you know a few weeks of weightlessness filmed, I think that's going to be possible sooner rather than later.
2: And for our listeners, where can they go to watch the live stream of your trip?
0: So our live stream will be on our website, onemoreorbit.com. And there's a big red button. You click on it and it'll take you to our YouTube streaming channel. Very easily laid out.
2: Well, I know how busy all of you are today, and um, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you, and Godspeed.
0: Thank you. Good Thank talking you. to you. Thank
1: you.